Welcome to The Craft. I'm your host, Mae Globus. This podcast is a collection of intimate conversations on artistry, mastery, and life with talented, passionately curious creatives and entrepreneurs. Most are dear friends, some are those I've admired from afar. I hope you enjoy these conversations, this exploration of the humanity that connects all of us as much as I do having them. Thank you for being here and for listening. Walrus co-founder Caroline Boquist has a warm, intuitive way of connecting with everyone she meets. Her entrepreneurial journey to opening up the beloved retail shop in 2009 with business partner Daniel Kozlowski is an unconventional, tenacious one. Caroline grew up in Vancouver, one of four daughters of a Filipino mother and a South Asian father, who was born in Goa and raised in Hong Kong. Her family to this day is a close-knit one. She became a mother herself at the age of 22, at the crux of much transition and devastating heartbreak in her life. In this conversation, we uncover Caroline's childhood story, losing her father when pregnant with her son Noah, the chronicle of how Walrus came to be, what she's discovered about herself in the last 15 months, and more. Please enjoy this profound conversation with the gentle and sweet, yet strong-willed, Caroline Boquist. Caroline Boquist, welcome to The Craft. Thank you, May Globus. This I'm is so a long-awaited conversation. <laughs> I'm so honored to be here. Oh, thank you so much for your time. I, I can't wait to have this conversation and explore all different facets of you and in, in your story. Um, but let's start off by how we met. We were kind of chatting before this this recording started, and I couldn't quite remember when I when I did, but we solidified it about a few minutes ago that uh, it was when you opened your shop. And I was still city editor for an online magazine called Sweet Spot. Yes. And I think that I wrote a piece on your shop when it opened up. And that was the first meeting. And then it was mutual friends and events and just really loving your energy and spirit. The and feeling is mutual, May. Yes. Like just, fast I love friends. little check-ins. And yeah, it means a lot. Yeah. It really does. does. It's nice to have these connections. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's take it way back. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your family dynamic. You're half Filipino. Yeah. On your mother's side. Yes. And your dad is South Asian. Yes. So ethnically from Goa and born and raised in Hong Kong. Mm. Um. Childhood. I, I feel really lucky when I look at my childhood. And I'm not sure if I romanticize it a little bit just because my dad's been gone for 23 years. So that's literally like half my life this year, actually, I realized mm-hmm. just a bit ago. Um, but I do. I do feel lucky. I'm first generation Canadian. Uh, I'm the youngest of four girls. There's a bit of an age gap between my third sister and me. I, I kind of think that I was supposed to be the boy or the, you know, the, the, the I don't know if I'm a surprise or what it was, but they're, they're all really close in age. And so there's about a four year difference between my third sister and myself. Mm. Um, but I, I grew up in a very, I think, a really loving household, um, a household that just showed up for each other. Mm. Um, my parents were always, I felt... I was, they were always there for me. Um, you know, and when I say romanticized, like I definitely, like it was a home full of like 
we welcome my parents welcome strangers they welcome international students they there's a story about my sister and mom volunteering at expo and they brought in a family of six and total strangers but had nowhere to go and they stayed with my family for like a week you know what I mean we just there was very it open. was very open very loving my parents entertained um, you know, but, but they were still old school, you know, we were disciplined, we, you know, were very much, I, I generalize, but you know, that Asian family of like, the respecting the elders and doing, you know, mm-hmm. certain mm-hmm. things of service whenever they had a party, it's like, okay, everybody, you know, pitch in and help out and clean and get drinks and all that kind of stuff. So right. I feel like it was a very lively, loving um, home in all the ways that are like showing up in active and active loving way, Mm. Um, but disciplined and structured. Um, You know, I wasn't an athletic kid, but I I took piano. I started when I was four. So I was classically trained for many, many years. I stopped when I was 16, Um, you know, went to all the family dinners. We go up really close with my dad's side of the family. Yeah, it was very much family. Yeah, very family oriented. And what's your what's your mom like? And what was your dad like? My mom is very uh, I mean, she's very gracious. She's um, very intuitive. She's strong. She's brave. Um, but you also don't want to mess with her. Like, <laughs> you know, everybody who meets her, I find is it's like, oh, your mom's so lovely. She's she is has that. But she's also strict. And she's I think she was the one who reigned my dad in a lot. My dad was maybe gregarious and generous and um, love to host and love to have a good drink and love to um, his laugh and a smile, super infectious, you know? Mm. So I think they were really great balance for each other. And right. I think he really needed her and she needed him. Mm. I came to realize, you mm-hmm. know, like she really grounded him and balanced him and made sure that he was spending correctly. And, you know, he was just generous and, you know, yeah. that sort of liveliness. She ruled him. the roost. She kind of, yeah, <laughs> but, but it wasn't so obvious. Mm. She ruled the roost. But when I look back at my childhood, it wasn't, it didn't feel that way. It felt very um, actually not stereotypical in their roles, even at their age and even at that time that I grew up. So mm. I'm 46 this year, you know, like the youngest. So my mom's 81 now. Like they didn't have quite those stereotypical roles. My mom worked, my dad worked, he cooked. They, they both cooked together. They both did all the yard work together. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they share the responsibility absolutely with share whatever responsibility. Need to, yeah. needed to be they done. They didn't prescribe by those type of mm. traditional roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as a young girl, as you witness this dynamic mm. between your mom and your dad, what did that sort of love look like to you as a young child? Mm, it, it definitely looked it looked challenging. It looked loyal. It looked committed. It looked open. Um, I think one of the most beautiful things about their relationship was um, being witness to that growth. Um, you know, because there were challenges for sure. Uh, and they didn't, you know, I would see it. They didn't hide it from us but there was you know they made up and there was love and so I understood that dynamic that you could fight and still love through it Mm. you know what I mean I I understood the dynamic one of the biggest things I think I got from them is they were always open to growing you know always open to possibility like my dad 
um, you know, suffered a heart attack, actually a few. And um, and he so they were they were open to things like meditation, you know, different. I think he was introduced through doctors and all that kind of thing to like how to calm. And, I, and my mom was incredible at that, at, at, at making sure that he did those kinds of things. And I remember at a young age listening, like what's going on in like the, the bedroom had a tape like at night where it would be somebody taking them through breath work and meditation. And, you know, I, I, I didn't say, but they, they're both, I was raised Catholic as well. Cause they were both, you know, based on their, ethnicity and whatever is very um, rooted in that. But, um, you know, we weren't, it wasn't ever a toxic sort of dynamic in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were very much of service too, like they volunteered their time. So that also looked like love to me, like I could see that they were of service. So getting back to sort of their growth and openness, you know, meditation, they would watch Oprah together. I remember, you know, the, the, the Christmas before he passed, my mom had given him a gratitude journal, you know, and mm. here was a 60 year old man, you know, 20 some years ago, every day writing three things that he was grateful for. You know what I mean? Like, it's just I I, and I think all of that kind of stuff made such a big impact to me, because when I think about it, I'm, I don't prescribe to those you know, when people say like, oh, they're old, they're never going to change. Mm. Like that doesn't that doesn't resonate for me. I'm like, actually, that's that doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can change regardless of age. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you I it's, don't know. It's it's interesting hearing you talking about this because I'm thinking as you're you're talking about these the meditation and, and the journaling and this this growth mindset of. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's so rare for that generation. Exactly. That's kind of what I mean. Like, and I, and I think as I got older, I realized more and more how rare that was. Um, and so when I recognized that quite young, I just think, yeah, it's I, I, I don't want to stuff people in boxes, you know, mm. and and do these generalizing sweeps, whether it's gender or age or whatever. I just it's anything is you, you, anything is possible if you're mm-hmm. open to it. Yeah, that's an incredible foundation to to learn from. Yeah, especially as a young person. I think so, and I don't know honestly. Like I, I relay and I reflect. I relay these stories and I reflect based on my experience. But I, I would, I don't know if my sisters feel the same. You know what I mean? I don't know mm-hmm. if they recognize the same. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But this is these are some of the things for sure from my specific experience. What yes. I what I really had huge impacts on me for sure. Mm. And you, what were you like? Um, I think that, I, I mean, I definitely, I don't, I don't know. It's a funny thing to think about what was I like. I remember being like enjoying playing the piano for a time. I remember loving to draw, loving to read. Um, I remember um, doing imaginary play. Um, that kind of stuff. I don't know that I was as extroverted as I am today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So creative. That yeah. sounds creative. Yeah. Lover of the arts from a young age. Yeah. And as you go, got older, still the same? Um, yeah, I think so. And it takes different forms, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that um, core things for sure. I think doing, say, competitive piano, like there's different things in my life that have formed me to who I am, but I guess the continuous sort of feeling it, it is um, 
perhaps stepping up to doing things that aren't comfortable. Like I remember doing that. I, remember I took drama in high school and that for sure wasn't comfortable for me. And um, but putting myself out there doing competitions in these really dark auditoriums at piano as, as I was a young child, like super not comfortable for not me. Not comfortable at all. Not comfortable <laughs> at all. Um, very stress-inducing. Very stress-inducing. Uh, so I think that I definitely, those are foundational things. I think creative creativity has taken a different form. Like I don't really draw or paint or do any of those things anymore but I do remember feeling like like I have so many different interests but I'm so fascinated by people and I would I would love to be able to champion people I remember thinking that like oh I just love to be able to um you know invest in people and show like be some people's cheerleader and Mm. you know a few years after the shop had opened I was like oh you know what like funny I remember thinking that so many years ago and here I am having the shop and I had no idea that this is where I would end up like it never was a thing um, when I graduated when I was young that it's like I want to be an entrepreneur I want to open up a small business I want to champion local design like that that definitely was not on my radar at Mm. all at all path just appeared yeah I think so and and saying yes to opportunity maybe pausing and at Mm. different points in my life and thinking about is this the right thing is this not the right thing and then um they all sort of connected the dots to where I am today for sure Mm. um but it was definitely a very circuitous route right right Yeah, not uh, not a straight line, but, no. but the winding path. <laughs> Very windy. Yeah. Well, let's put a pin on um, your career journey. Okay. Um, one more question that I want to ask about your your growing up yeah. was how much um, Filipino culture and um, South Asian culture yeah. factor, factored into your childhood. That's a good question and somewhat of a loaded question in some ways because. Um, we grew up primarily like my parents immigrated here for my dad's side of the family. Uh, they, he, they were the last ones to come to Canada. And um, South Asian Goa, ethnically he's from Goa, and Goa used to be a Portuguese colony. My maiden name is Da Costa, which is Portuguese. So if you see kind of a brown person that has a Portuguese last name, chances are they're Goan. Mm. Um, and. Um, so it's a bit layered, and and I say that because my dad identified with being Goan and South Asian, but he, the rest of his family identifies as being like Portuguese. Oh, so very interesting. Yeah, and then being born and raised in Hong Kong, it's like all of them spoke Cantonese. So it's it's a bit of a complex thing that I actually really want to dig more into with, Mm -hmm. with my dad's side of the family. Um, Because even to this day, I talk to my cousins and it's like, everybody feels all different kinds of things. Some people are like, well, you know, we grew up with some Chinese, like we grew up with red envelopes. We grew up going to dim sum. We grew up, you know what I mean? Like it's right. It's sort of a whole mixed bag. So we primarily grew up with my dad's side of the family with all of that mixture, curries, Chinese food, all, all of it, you know, mm-hmm. British tea, like, you know, every s- single sort of colonization <laughs> type of inf- 
influence, really. Um, and then from my mom's side, we didn't really grow up with a lot of my mom's side here. Um, she was the only one who lived here at the time. She had some cousins. And so for the Filipino side, um, we didn't actually grow up a lot with that. We would go to family, like if there was something happening, some distant relation, we'd go to a big dinner, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And always if, you know, if people have interacted with Filipino families, of course, everybody's, you know, you, they're, you're welcomed in and, you know, you're fed until you can't move and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But but that was quite a small portion of it. And, and you know, visitors would come from the Philippines and they'd stay with us and the whole thing. Um, but it is interesting because we didn't grow up with a, a strong Filipino large family that a lot of mm. that a lot of people have a lot of my Filipino friends have but I know it it's familiar I've gone to the Philippines um, I've experienced it I know what it is through my mom you know what I mean um, but um, but it but it was similar to my dad's culture in a way like it was all about family it was all about food it was all about entertaining welcoming like I grew up you know really spending a lot of time with my cousins and my aunts and uncles on my dad's side mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like really family oriented. For, for sure, sure, for sure. Mm. That's really interesting as you're, you were talking and you were saying that most of your family identifies as Portuguese. Yeah. I, I'm I'm curious about that and, and why. And yeah, I am too. Well, I think there's a sense of loyalty there, right? Like mm. I think it's had something to do with the war and, mm -hmm. you know, they were protected and they were able to go to Hong Kong because of this and that and the next. Right. Um, so there was some kind of, there's some kind of loyalty type thing there. Mm. Um, I, I just, I, I do want to explore that. I can't, unfortunately, you know, I was 23 when my dad died, so I can't dig into that now right, as yeah. all these questions have sort of really come up, but I can mm. do with my, with my remaining aunts and uncle yeah. um, but they all have a very different story and it's a lot to unpack it's really layered and every now and again and as all of this comes up over the last you know year or two about um you know cultural you know histories and connecting back to our identities and our culture um a lot of those conversations come up when we've talked to my cousins and and how it's not necessarily divisive, but how profound that impact is yes. about no I identify as Portuguese and that's how I grew up. And I'm like, hmm. And, 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 and I wish I knew why my dad was the one who really was like, no, we're not Portuguese, mm. you know, mm -hmm. kind of felt some kind of really connection to Goa. Right. He was the only one really. Oh, it, Goa is very spiritual, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, again, being Portuguese, like I think that, you know, it was it's the only like Christian little mm. place in all of India. Um, but I do think they have a big like hippie sort of spiritual yes. <laughs> um, place. He we didn't unfortunately get to all go back there. Mm. He retired and turned 60 in August. Um, the following month had gone with a family friend to go to Goa and um, my the family still had a house there so he went to try and dig up the papers and bring us all back the following year yeah but he passed away in March the following year so we never I got see. to take that trip back with him hmm. yeah will you go 
Yeah, I, my sisters and I, all, all, like all the kids, everybody would love to go. It's funny, my mom is a bit trepidatious about it. Mm. I think because um, it had a huge impact on my dad and he maybe shared some things with my mom that maybe my sisters and I don't know. Like he was really, really affected by, um, you know, the poverty and mm-hmm. the children on the street. He was really, it had a huge impact on him. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. My mom's. Maybe it's just because it's it's difficult for her emotionally. Right. Um, I'm not sure. But all of us are really, uh, really mm. would love to go. Mm-hmm. Again, I think it's very different. I think I have to. It's kind of like I feel like I miss my opportunity to go back to Hong Kong. Like I have this romantic notion of how yes. we grew up there, and it's not at all the same. And sort of similarly to Goa, I think if, when we go, because I do think we will all go at some point. Um, it'll be very, very different than what it would have been for him. For so him. I think we have to have some mm. very real expectations of what that looks mm. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one day. Yeah. One day. Huh. Um, let's, uh, let's chat about your affinity for design and objects and <laughs> where you think that comes from. <laughs> it's a funny thing. Again, I, I, I really feel like that whole world um, started very much by quote unquote accident. Um, I, I mean, I was always into art and the arts and culture world, but um, I Devin had started a furniture design company. I was literally, I just had Isabella. I was like full on suburban mom. Mm-hmm. Two and young kids. Just for listeners, Devin is her husband. Yes, Devin is my husband. Uh, and he, so he started designing with a, with an old friend, a, a line of contemporary tables. And I was I was working a part time, or I was working a full time job, at, um, and they were struggling to like, you know, they're creative people. Caroline, we need to, we need your help. And actually, at that time, I mean, I say I was a suburban mom, but really just before I had my kids, I was, I had a career in sales really. So sales was always my sort of sales and marketing was sort of my realm. Um, And they said, we need you to sell our tables. Tell me what you need. We need you to call this store Inform in Gastown. And again, for people who may not know Inform, it's sort of like this icon of design, modern contemporary furniture design shop in Vancouver kind of like it's it's the pinnacle exactly it's in the city for sure and i think that it's a good thing that i didn't know what like what it was at the time otherwise i don't know that i would have called it so they said call the store see if you can get us see if you can get our tables in so i called the store and um nancy actually gave us the time and we sat down made an appointment brought her the tables they actually got in there which if is nothing short of somewhat of a miracle, to be honest, because <laughs> they're very they discerning. Did, there. They're very discerning, primarily European, very little local content. That's since changed a little bit, but especially all those years ago, very little content. And then when I went to deliver the tables, she was like, I really like you. What are you doing? I want you to come work with me. 
And um, so I started work at Inform. And that really was where my world and education of design came from. Mm. Um, I just like, I loved all the books and I love the stories of the furniture and I love the stories of the designers and love the small objects that we'd come in. It was just like, I fully bought in. I was fully drank the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. I was in for sure. And so that's really where it started. Yes. And I mean, the the owners, Benson's are very, they're passionate about who oh, they bring in. Yes. It's, it's quite incredible. Yeah, it is. It mm-hmm. is. So that's kind of really where my education for contemporary design came in. Yes. was really my time there. And you met your business partner, Daniel, there as well. That so is where I met Daniel. That's a big portion of the, that the puzzle. That is a big portion of the puzzle. That is a big portion of the puzzle. That is, that is a big portion of the puzzle. I, I actually had, after that, um, I was going to, um, I left to try and, um, was going to start a cafe with a friends of ours. And that turned around a little bit again. But that did pique my curiosity a little bit for entrepreneurship and creativity. Like they're like, hey, do you want to start this with us? And way back in the day, I'd worked at Starbucks, you know, when I was in high school, it was mm-hmm. like, so like, come and, you know, Devin can design it and the whole thing. So I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. I'm ready for change and ready for this kind of to dig, dig into something. Like I loved that idea of kind of digging in at something new. And then, um, things shifted there. So, um, I had started actually with another, um, stopped that and then went on to work for another architectural, uh, architectural and design firm. Mm. And from there I was in a sales role. Um, and again, really loved it because it was a small company and loved like, Hey, we can, let's create a catalog. Let's, what does this look like? And, um, Really, it was international sales distribution, and I was the, their first sales manager, so I could really kind of be part of this growth. And I, again, when you kind of reference back little parts of the puzzle, you know, this is starting to sh- take shape a little bit, right? So, like, um, and then then we had started to grow. So then I had asked Daniel, "Hey, I think I, I need another sales partner." Let's ask Daniel from Inform. He got hired on and we were there and we'd go on these trips together, business trips. And um, we went to all the great design shows and mm. all that kind of stuff. So we really like all the worked ones in Italy. Very hard. We would do the circuit would be like New York, London. Italy was one of them that mm-hmm. came later. Chicago a couple times. So that was sort of the circuit. It sounds glamorous. We yes. worked very, very hard. Yes, those <laughs> things are those things are hard. They yeah. are really hard. It's work and it's networking. It's work, it's networking. But it was like we found the pockets of joy. And mm. it was really in that moment where we were on this two-week stint in Milan. And um, it was insanely intense and you know, both of us at different points were like in tears. Like it was just like extreme. It was an extreme sort of situation. And um, we were kind of at the end of the trip. And I said to Daniel, oh, my gosh, like we've traveled together. We've been under stressful situations like um, we have a similar work ethic. We need to just start, try to do something for ourselves. Like let's let's that's sort of where that was born. And then it became 
okay, well, what do we both love? And we both love food. Like we would always like pastries and all those European bakeries we'd go to <laughs> that we didn't have at the time in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So we're like, why don't we start like a little Euro, like cafe design shop? Um, and then that's sort of how it all started. Uh, out of the question, what do we love? You mm. know? Uh, that would have been so cool if it was also a cafe. You know what? Yes. As you know, Vancouver, I mean, I think they've shifted, but Vancouver with their permits. Yes. This comes up all the time with friends. We're trying to do creative things. It was very Mm. limiting, that idea of having food and whatever plus design. That was limiting to find a space to do that. And then also realizing, hey, you know what? Neither of us are pastry chefs. We'd have to source something. And honestly, like... Um, 13 years ago, mm. there wasn't, there wasn't, it's not what we have today with a plethora of like incredible cafes that could have, you know, we could have sourced that stuff from, but yes. that just didn't really exist then. So we couldn't really wrap our heads around. So it's like, okay, what else do we love? Okay, let's let the food part go and let's focus on design. We had so many incredible friends who were designers. Um, and again, it goes back to like, okay, let's let's really be this place for our local people and international stuff. Mm. And so um, that that sh- your shop, mm-hmm. not that shop, your shop opened in 2009. It did. Yes. And where did the name Walrus come from out of curiosity? Um, so we had a terrible name in the beginning. And, <laughs> you know, I often think that when you're on the right path, as you, I'm sure, experience, when we made that decision to do this, there were so many things that were going against us. Um, you know, we were applying for loans when in October 2008 when the economy totally tanked, right? Mm-hmm. Um just so many things. There were so many things, so many reasons why we shouldn't do this. There were so many people telling me like, Caroline, you know nothing about business. You shouldn't. Why are you opening this? You should just go to school and do some business classes. And, you know, we weren't really telling a lot of people it at the time that we were going to do this. But to the people that we did confide in, there was a little bit of that in the beginning. And I thought we're just going to keep both of us were like, it's now or never. It's now or never. And we we did. We took the time to research. Um. And then things started opening up for us, right? Like, so we told another friend that we were opening up the shop. Oh, my branding firm really wants to take on a client pro bono where they could have the creative freedom to do what they, whatever they'd like to execute on. And we had kind of learned at that point, if there's somebody out there who can do it better than us, absolutely have at it. I have no creative control issues around any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like go for it as long as they could execute our vision. So we we worked with them and that package, it turns out, would have been thousands and thousands of dollars and it was a gift mm. at this early stage. It was a gift. They were like, yeah, let's do this. Um, so we worked on a brand, a naming exercise and um, we went through the whole explanation of what we wanted to be, who we were. We went through descriptions. We tried to pull shops at the time that we were inspired by. They came up with a list of names and Walrus was on them. And it sort of checked off all the boxes. And all of the boxes that we wanted to check off were something that didn't box us into anything too specific. Mm. Um, it was something that, that we wanted that wasn't going to be difficult to pronounce. Something that didn't necessarily give you any preconceived notions of what it would be and something that would pique the curiosity. 
So walrus kind of did that. Yeah, and that it does. <laughs> so we kind of, you know, it's a very simple white awning with a black mm-hmm. name on it. Um, and we get asked that still to this day. It's like, oh, I had to walk in here because I was like, walrus, what is that? What's that? What's going on in there? You're like, perfect. Check. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> The name did its job. Yeah, so it has nothing to do with a Beatles song. It has nothing to do with a magazine. It's right. like, literally, that was the mm. process. I want to ask about Daniel and yes. your dynamic together. Yes. And I'm curious to know, I mean, apparently, and you know, you yeah. guys are really great partners and yes. have been for a really, really long time. Yes. Um, I'm wondering in what ways does he balance um, his skill set with yours? Like what is that, that balance that works? That yeah. is the magic. Um, he's very steady. He, he, he will tell you himself that he's Swiss. So it's very Swiss, like steady to the point, to the point, like this is what it is. If it's not broken, you know what I mean? Or, you know, don't, like you know that saying right yes yes um it's not broken don't you fix it it's all that kind of stuff so he's he's steady um and uh I think we come together more than we sort of balance each other out in some ways you know what I mean like Mm. um we do we do have the same work ethic we 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 rarely go head to head on stuff right Mm. we just um but when I get ideas and all that kind of stuff, for sure, he's like, well, what about this? What about that? He definitely pulls me back in. Right. Um, so in that way, we he balances, he balances mm-hmm. us out. And I think for me, I'm like really obviously outwardly really open and really um, pretty much open to to anything and everything, generally speaking. And so I think that that's been good for him too. Mm. You know what I mean? Like he will tell you the story about, um, you know, us opening the store and like we did everything. We had no money. You know what I mean? Devin's building stuff for us. I'm using a nail gun almost backwards at one point. Daniel's like, you know, we're all doing this stuff. And then my family's helping out because that's what they do. That's what we do. And um, on like the second day, everything is pristine white, new floors. And it's like my mom comes and brings us food, but it's like spaghetti. The kids are all young and they're like (laughs) eating spaghetti under the tables on the floor. And so he has come a long way because I think he was freaking out thinking like, what the heck have I just done? Like, this is so bad. This is shop people. Like you've just joined the family. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I think in those ways, we sort of balance each other out. Yeah. And do you guys have a process for how you curate brands for walrus again it's so intuitive like and 90 percent of the time we are the same like Mm. and i think because we've worked together for so long and because we've been business partners for so long um it's very like oh yeah okay good it's it's like another life relationship right Mm -hmm. like I mean, by life, I mean like husband, wife. We we don't ever say that, but it's really we. Yeah, it's you your know, work so husband. You start, it's your work husband. And <laughs> yeah. so you kind of know, okay, you said that, perfect. I was going to say the same thing, you yes. know? Um, so it's very intuitive. It's, it, it's evolved over the years for sure. Like I think I definitely miss the days where we could have more inventive, crazy, wild things. But... You know, Vancouver, I mean, we've come a long way, but we also are such a conservative city. And, mm. um, you know, the the amount of sort of design 
like wild sort of design. We love to bring that in, but it just wouldn't sell. So it was difficult for mm. us to navigate the curation of like, you know, um, is this going to work? What's going to pay our bills? It's like a balance of everything. You know right, what I mean? Right. So how we curate really is on instinct. It's on do we love it? Do we enjoy it? Will people like it? You know, what's our demographic? Now we're kind of buying also for our demographic. Whereas in the beginning, I think we were buying for us. Right. You know, mm. and, and after 12 years of business, that's for sure evolved. Mm. How does that make you feel that you have to, like you were saying that you you're buying for you and that's mm -hmm. like, that's what you wanted to have mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. And now having to sort of, and I get it. Yeah. I get it from a business standpoint. Yeah. But I'm curious on like how your soul feels thinking that you, you've had to shape it in this, in this way. Well, it's still, I think it, it hasn't, um, reach that tipping point where it's too much for other people mm. it's still definitely on the side of still working with people we really like and still design that we really like mm. so it hasn't reached that tipping point yet so so fortunately I haven't quite had to to wrestle, um, with, wrestle that. with that mm. or reconcile that um, but I see it I see it and I and I and I understand it but I also am like, well, we're here for 12 years and 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 I really try to, every time I'm in the store, I really try to see everybody who isn't familiar as like welcome them like they've never been in before. So I'm still telling the same story I did from day one. Mm. Oh, you've never been in before, welcome. Mm -hmm. This is who we are, you know what I mean? It's for us, it's really about that experience. Like I, 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 don't it's about that human connection it's about right. storytelling about the products it's about making sure that people have a good experience yeah. in our store yeah so that soul is still there 100 mm -hmm. yeah that soul is still there yeah mm -hmm. for sure is there some things that i'm like oh yeah okay <laughs> but, but but not, not a deal enough. breaker yeah. not a deal breaker 100 and i guess the the beauty in that evolution too is is that you do begin to understand likes and tastes of you know your your demographic your loyal customers Absolutely. and you're making them happy with these objects exactly that they enjoy and want to have in their homes so yeah and we're still working with so many so many local artists you know mm -hmm. and part of that and young artists like it just it still feels in that way that it's very fulfilling right and that's how you're championing other exactly right now yes in this part of your in this part your yeah. life yeah for sure which you wanted to do when you were younger exactly mm. <laughs> I know it was like it was a really interesting moment for me when I was like oh yeah like I'm not that that venture capitalist person that I perhaps had in my mind but I am championing it from a grassroots small business mm -hmm. level and that mm. feels good it does feel, it, that would feel good yeah and supportive yeah 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 for sure so I wanted to explore motherhood from your from your lens, and we had you know said earlier in the conversation that you were uh, a young mother. Yes, and you have two wonderful children, Noah and Bella. Isabella, thank you. And Isabella is a singer, very talented musician, and Noah is also a talented creator. And you have this really beautiful relationship and friendship with them that um seems that seems rare mm. um 
when you reflect back on young motherhood, mm. um, what would you tell yourself as a young mother, knowing what you know now? now? Mm. Just to keep trusting your intuition um, and keep staying true to what I think is right for myself and my children as individuals. Um, I didn't expect to kind of get a little bit emotional about it, but I think because I was a young mom, oh my goodness. That's I've okay. told this story so many times. It's like, what the heck? I had a feeling coming in, I was feeling a little vulnerable. So I was like, hmm. Um, thanks. Uh, so Devin and I had been together for, I guess, four years. We were together quite young and um, living together at the time. And... I always knew, like, and I'd even told him, I said, like, you know, just so you know, if for whatever reason I I get pregnant, I feel strongly that I'm going to, you know, we're going to have the baby. Just just so you know. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that day comes and um, I'm pregnant. And at the time I was working uh, at a company uh, doing sales and doing quite well there. And I had to go into the office of one of my bosses at the time who I happened to have what I thought was a pretty good relationship with. He was the director of operations. And I went into his office and set up a meeting and said, oh, Art, I just wanted to let you know. Nobody will know who that is, but I just mm -hmm. wanted to let you know that um, I'm, I'm pregnant. And at the time, I can't remember how many weeks, but I must have been far enough along to feel confident that I could tell them. And and the first thing out of his mouth was like, oh, you know, I'm not going to lie. As a father figure to you, I'm I'm pretty disappointed. And obviously that kind of took my breath away a little bit. And I thought, oh, yeah, OK. Um, he's like, you know, you're on such a good trajectory here. And now now we got to deal with this. Well, I better call this other guy in who was the director of sales at the time. So he comes into the office and and the director of operations says, hey, so Caroline's got something to tell you. And I say, OK, I am I'm pregnant. And um, he said, oh, is the guy sticking around? Mm. And I was like, yeah, we've been together for four years, actually. And and uh, he's like, well, you just never know, you know, and I'm just like. When I think back, it's like, wow, I was this 22-year-old girl in this professional environment with these two, you know, white men telling me that, shaming me about being pregnant. And when I think about it now, I just think, wow, like the audacity of people, it's quite something. And... Um, you know, a week goes by, they're like, okay, we're going to have to talk about this and see what happens. And I was, I was quite like, I had a lot of morning sickness and all that kind of stuff. 
And um, then a woman who was the West Coast sales rep comes to me and I'm working away. And as a woman, she comes to me and says, like, Caroline, the guys told me you're pregnant. Like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? You can't have a kid. You're a kid. Like, you're not going to keep it. That's like... That's ridiculous. Like, that's crazy. Mm. And I don't know how long that conversation went, but I just, I just was like, no, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm going to be fine. Like, I have an incredible family. Devin and I are tight. Like, it's all going to be fine. And that just sort of w- went on like that for a while. And, and even to the point where it was like, there was an out of town person in and, one of the guys was introducing me and he's like, oh, Caroline was so great at her job, you know, and that is until she had her accident. And again, like I just met this person. I know the person was a little bit taken aback and also uncomfortable. And I just kind of walked away anyway. So when you ask me that question, I just like I think about so many of the times that people have told me like, I just can't. I can't do things like I've I feel like I've actually been told that quite a bit been Mm. dismissed been told are you crazy you can't do that like what are you doing been questioned on so many things even to this day I'm I'm quite I'm not sure what it is about me to be to be honest but I, I need to sort of unpack that for myself but I do feel like quite often I'm still dismissed dismissed um Anyway, long story short, I guess, um, I stayed on with that company with what I thought was going to be until Matt leave. But um, when I was seven months pregnant, my dad died. Um, I took a week off work to obviously attend funeral, that kind of stuff. And then when I came back to that workspace, I was called into a new manager's office who didn't know me at all. And she just sat me down and said, oh, Caroline, like, did you go away at all when when you were on sick leave? Because I was so sick. I was pregnant. I said, yeah, actually, you know, Devin and I went out of town and we got we got married. And she said, OK, well, according to, you know, the work labor, whatever, uh, that's grounds for immediate dismissal. And so I thought, OK. And in that moment, all I could think about was like having to go back home and tell my mom who had just lost her husband that her like pregnant daughter was just like oh from her job it's like oh my god so i just started crying in the office going like holy what am i going to tell my mom like this is this is terrible um anyway that was it that was the last time i was ever there and um i think you know the whole culmination of being like let go my dad dying all that kind of stuff having a having Noah you know that was really in quite a short span of a few months and it was super formative to how I live my life today why I have my why I even have my small business and I think has had the hugest impact on me as a mother and how I choose to raise my kids and connect to them and I think it's just that real I hold close you know the idea of mortality I'm not afraid of it I just am like it really showed me just obviously how quick everything can 
can completely be turned upside down. So to just be really, really grateful and present and intentional and um, and to listen, to really, really listen. Mm. I'm very sorry all of that <laughs> happened to you. I know. Oh, my God. I'm very sorry. sorry. I just I can't like imagine. went off there for a bit. Sorry about that. No, no. This is hopefully a safe space for <laughs> yeah, you to share clearly. those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am very sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's so long ago, honestly. It's mm-hmm. so long ago. I don't often think about it. But I do think about it in moments where I'm like, wow, imagine if I was anybody else and they were telling this to a young girl and they listen. And she listened to them, right? She listened to them. Like, how terrible that would be. Because, like, I have the most incredible relationship with Noah. I have the most incredible child. Like, I just like, it's it's crazy to me to think that people can say these things to people. And I think I get a little bit upset by it because I just think, oh my God, like really, I was really young. And, um, and how terrible that would be for anybody to say that to somebody at any point, but now, I mean, my God, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, it is what it was, but, um, like anything that is challenging, difficult, all that stuff, it's growth. Like, it's like, in the end, thank you, thank you them, because maybe I would have taken that mad leave and gone back there and it would have been a terrible environment. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It wasn't right for me. So it really, um, I try to remember to like thank the people that actually were terrible to me. Right. Adversity. <laughs> yeah, because it's like breeds character. 100%. Mm. 100% has steered me into who I am today for sure. Mm. For sure. So thank you to them. Mm. And um, Devin was clearly a rock during this time. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> he was like, and our relationship was. Um, and is today, but it is not without, was not without its challenge for sure. Mm. Like he's a couple years older than me. So he was 25 and he wanted to be a rock star, you know? So I I think he would, it would be fair that if he said he wasn't a rock for me at that time also, Mm. he wasn't in, in, in some ways and he, and he wasn't in a lot of ways, Mm. Um, you know, because he was, and I, and I, And I get it. Like, I totally get it. But he was very much still. And he, you know, the loss of my dad, too, was super new to him. Like, he didn't really, he never really experienced loss quite like that or had some, you know what I mean? Had to process that um, together. So it was all super new. Mm. So I think that uh, it was a very lonely time for me, for sure. Mm. Like, he was amazing. He's an incredible. He was an incredible dad. He is an incredible dad. And he was extremely present for Noah in those times. But for me, I don't know that he had the capacity at that time. Right. Yeah. Being so young too. For sure. And not Absolutely. having the tools yet to Absolutely. understand all of these Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. For mm-hmm. sure. If you were going to say anything to Noah and Bella right now, what would you say about how proud you are of them? Well, I tell them pretty regularly. <laughs> I think mm. we have a very open and honest relationship both ways. Like it's very reciprocated. And 
Um, you know, I've some I've had some pretty like I think people are a little bit taken aback at how open we are with one another. I mean, for sure, sometimes it shocks me, but um, I I am I am so proud of them, and I and I tell them all the time that I do think that they're number one thing is to just keep peeling back the layers of who they are to stay true to who they are um i've been telling them that a lot lately like Mm. you know i think through this last year and whatever it's just like just keep keep digging you guys keep digging keep digging keep getting keep getting closer to who who this inside inside person is and connect really to that and mm. just keep connecting, stay connected, listen to your intuition. Don't be afraid. Put it all, all out there. Just, just really go for it mm-hmm. because it's like life is long, but it's also short and vice versa. Life is short, but it's also quite long. So mm. just put it all out there. Yeah. They have nothing to lose and they'll, they have us to always be there for them. It's so interesting that you say life is so short, but but it's also long. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just had a conversation today with someone. We we said that phrase. Yeah, interesting. And I don't know if it's just maybe these times right now as people are reflecting. Yeah, uh, but it certainly feels that way when you mm-hmm. when you take a moment to mm-hmm. to think about your life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And all the different ways that we've evol- we evolve and we change, and people come in and out, all careers the come in and out, all the chapters. Of chapters. Yeah. So I just have a few more questions. This uh, second to last question is a few months ago when I caught up, we went to, um, I believe, a little Italian cafe in Olympic Village. And we got really deep in in this catch up. And, you know, you were processing a lot during that time. And um, I'm curious to know now, how are you feeling and what you learned about yourself in the last 15 months that you didn't know before? Hmm. I think that I realized that I'm not as resilient as I thought I was, actually. Um, You know, that story that I shared is like one of, I feel like, many intense times throughout my life. Um, So I I used to consider myself a pretty resilient person when I look back at like all the many, many things that I've felt like I've really endured and powered through and worked through. And then the pandemic came and I was like, oh, feeling myself very quite vulnerable in a lot of in a lot of on a lot of months and a lot of days and um, having to sit with that and, you know, I am 46, so what is this next chapter of my life looking like? Um, A lot of self-reflection and a lot of like, a lot of, a lot of things came up around like boundaries, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of um, what do I want to do with this next, with my next chapter, Um, and and whether or not, you know, what are we going to do with walrus? Are we going to keep going? Are we not? It's 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 a lot of different things. Um, and my, my kids are bigger, right? Like they're 19 and 23. What is that? So there's a lot of big questions that 
that I've been asking myself. Um, and there's a lot of, um, yeah, things during the pandemic that I that came up for me that I that I have still to kind of unpack. It's like I realize that um, that I'm that I'm holding a lot of stuff that I think I need to still release and set free. Um, I'm realizing that I shouldn't feel guilty about boundaries that I want to put up when they're necessary because I need to be mindful of that and not be afraid to to ask and not be sorry for being authentic. And sometimes authenticity means having boundaries. Just being honest about where you stand yeah. with someone else. And having honest conversations. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and I just, that's really what it is. It's like I just really want to stick to like honest conversations and packing stuff to having authentic connections and and having space and time for people who want to do that with me. Mm -hmm. I hope you're you're finding that. Yeah. 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 My final question, the question I ask every guest, with what you do, what is it that you want to leave behind in the world? Hmm. Uh, it's funny because I think about that and I think like, oh, what did my dad leave behind in the world? And I don't know, like in terms of what I do, I feel like, do you mean like with walrus specifically? With, with everything, with, with your everything. life, with my life. <laughs> Um, I feel like another thing that's become more and more apparent, I feel like I've always known it, but it's just like really, really showing up for me is um, just really seeing people for who they are, exactly who they are, good, bad, all of it, accepting it, having compassion for them and giving them time and space to be it along with the acceptance of stuff. Like I'm having these pockets of interactions, whether they're friends or whether they're total strangers, where I sit or I stand and I'm just fully, fully present for them and just realizing how few people actually have that. Um, and how few people, even for myself, like, you know, I'm so lucky you have this incredible family, but, you know, we're often, I, I think I felt lonely. I felt lonely within this incredible love and relationship. I still have moments of feeling lonely. And I think that people still have moments of feeling lonely, regardless of what it looks up from the outside. And so whether it comes from somebody who's close to me or a complete stranger, just really seeing them seeing them it feels like that that is not that common yes I mean I I agree and I think it's a beautiful thing to leave behind first and foremost and um yeah we're all dealing with layers of things and yeah. projections and it does I think the advice that you give your your kids to keep pulling the layers back and staying connected I think it's such wise and, and sage advice and I think that's wise and sage advice for so many of us yeah I hope so <laughs> you know like it's just it's amazing when I think about it, it's just like yeah genuine interactions if someone can walk away and be like oh that 
Caroline, I remember a moment where she she really saw me and she let me be who I was and she accepted me. I just like, that would be super cool. I'm here for that for yes. sure. Yes, yes. Let people be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. For that sharing was so your story. <laughs> Thank you. Life is short, but it's also long. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> In this case, it felt short. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And and, um, I look forward to many more conversations with you like this, either recorded or just in person as friends. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, May. Thank you. If you enjoyed that last conversation, be sure to check out more episodes with Craft on Spotify and guest photo galleries on the website at wearethecraft.com. Thanks again for listening.